it's been a tough week, hasn't it? Anybody, anybody feeling the effects of kind of a tumultuous week here? It was really a tough election season, wasn't it? And I know we've talked here the last couple of weeks, maybe, what, three weeks? I know we've talked about politics, and I, I don't really want to talk about politics today. I think everybody's really sick of politics. But I, I really felt like, you know, watching things on Tuesday and watching how things have unfolded here this week, it just seemed like everybody walked away from what happened on Tuesday with a strong opinion. You guys agree with that? It's like everybody has a real strong opinion. Um... A lot of it's just been, I don't know, just really kind of nasty. That's really kind of disappointing. Um, and so I thought today we would talk about what now? This is our service, Life Now, What Now? And we'd plan this out as we planned out our, our series here that we would call the, the message today, What Now? And Rich is teaching about what now at our Parker location and... Uh, it's like, well, do we plan this out based upon how things turn out on Tuesday? And in some ways we did, but realistically, as I've thought through and prayed through like what I'm going to share today, I realized regardless of how things had turned out on Tuesday, I think I would have shared the same message. So hopefully you can take some encouragement in that. So what are we going to do just to walk you through where we're headed here? Uh, first, I'm going to try to get us grounded in the truth and that which is good. And what we should be doing. And then we're going to look at maybe four errors that each of us can have. Maybe some of us probably have even walked in this week. And maybe what God would have us do in some scripture that we can really pull us back into walking right with God here. So that in mind, I'm going to go ahead and pray and then we'll, we'll jump into this. So, Heavenly Father, Lord, I am so thankful to be a citizen of the United States. But even more than that, I am thankful that I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Your son, Jesus Christ, sits on the throne. Lord, and I declare my allegiance to you and to your son today. Regardless of what has happened this week or what may happen here in the coming weeks or months or what has transpired over the past year in the political realm, Lord, we we pick our eyes up this morning. And we look to you. And God, I, I just trust that each one of us is going to walk away from this today somehow more encouraged about following you and being your disciple or being right with you. Lord, I recognize there's probably some here this morning who have never come into a right relationship with you. Lord, I pray you'd be moving in hearts this morning. That you would be calling out to each one of us. Lord, I think of the song we sang this morning. We say, it's your breath, your breath in our lungs. And Lord, I just declare that's true this morning. Lord, I'm, I'm no great scholar. Lord, it's not my breath. Lord, it's your breath in my lungs this morning that teaches. Lord, I, I pray that it be your word that would go forth and would bear fruit this morning. Help us as we walk through us this. Help us to be humble, to look into our own hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we want to start with what now? Well, I think anytime we go what now and there's change and transition, we want to go back to that which is good. And so 
For those of us who are Christians and we understand God has given us the good news. He's given us the truth. And so, if you've been here before, you've been here a long time, you've seen this before. But I think it's always important to continue to remind ourselves of the truth. The central truth. The gospel, which is how I can have a right relationship with God. And so here, as you have this little diagram, we like to show this because it, it just makes a lot of sense and it's very simple. Is that it, God created the universe, he created the world, he created human, humankind with a design. And that design was perfect, and it was good, everything was right. But something happened to God's design, and that design was broken by sin. And not just, oh, someone sinned somewhere else, but my sin and your sin broke God's design and took us out of the sphere of the goodness and righteousness that's his into a sphere of brokenness. And I think each one of us can look at our own lives and our history and where we've come from and say, ah, there's a lot of things that are really broken. A lot of hurt and a lot of pain and it's been caused by my sin and others' sin and the sin of the world and all these things. But here we are and we live in a society and a culture and a world and a life characterized by brokenness. So when we look at that, we go, well, how do we escape? We've got to be able to get out of here. How do we get out of brokenness? And there's all these ways we think of that we can get out. And some of them I've listed here on this diagram. We think, oh, I just do a bunch of good stuff. If I'm just good enough or good before God, or maybe I'm religious, I can get away from this brokenness. Or others say, well, I can think my way out of this through philosophy. Or I just say, forget that. I'm just going to have pleasure. And just, if I just have enough fun, I'll be out of the brokenness. Brokenness has got its own sort of gravity and it pulls us all right back in from those things because those things cannot get us back to God's design because our sin stands in the way. And so that's the bad news. Some of you maybe have never heard this before. You go, this is bad news. What are you talking about the good news? This is bad news. But here comes the good news. Is that God said, I'm going to send somebody into the world who's going to solve this problem. And his name was Jesus Christ. He came to earth. We're going to celebrate him. We're going to have to do a number of weeks here. Church celebrating Jesus Christ as we lead up to Christmas. He came to earth. He lived a sinless, perfect life. He wasn't affected by sin. Because he didn't have any sin. And then he died. He was executed on the cross. But that wasn't the end. He rose again. He came back to life. He defeated death. And by doing that in God's economy, he paid the penalty on our behalf so that we could be right with God. But you don't just get to automatically, oh, Jesus did that, and now we're all just right and back in God's design. He said it's a free gift. And it's about relationship. And it's about relationship with God. And we want to have a right relationship with God. It's not God just said, I did this, and okay. He said, I did this, but now you have to receive it. And so part of that receiving means I have to turn from my life. I have to turn from brokenness and just simply believe that he did this. I believe that Jesus Christ came to earth, lived a sinless life, died and rose again, paid the penalty so that if I receive this free gift of salvation that's offered by me, the penalty for my sins is paid and I can be right with God. I can be right with him in this life. And then when I die, I get to go on and be with him for eternity in heaven. So we turn and believe, and you see that's the the red arrow there on the right side of this picture. 
And some of you maybe have not ever turned and believed. And so I would offer you to you this morning, you can turn and believe. And all you simply have to do is pray to God and say, Lord, I receive the free gift of Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I receive the gift of salvation. I welcome you into my life and turn from my sin. And then you'll see in this diagram on the left side, it says recover and pursue. And that's what we do. That's what Christians are called to do with the rest of our life until we get to go on and we, we die and go on to, to be with God in heaven. And that recovering and pursuing is the hard work. Unfortunately, however we land in that, if we've received that free gift of salvation, it's never going to be taken away from us. And so that recovering and pursuing is really about being a disciple. It's really about, wow, what has God done for me? He's given me this free gift of salvation. I get to have heaven and eternity with him and it's going to be amazing and I get to have the righteousness of, of him live through my life here. I want to live that out and that's recovering and pursuing. And so we're going to talk about that some today. And so this is the gospel and that's the first part. And then there's this other part, which is loving your neighbor. Jesus was asked, what are the greatest commandments? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And so we've been talking about this. I know Mr. Rogers, he's so smiley. I don't know, maybe it was before the election, I don't know. He's smiling. And so we created this initiative. It's, it's very unofficial. It's very informal. But it's the idea of, if you're going to love your neighbor, one good place to start would be right here in this spiritual family that God has really called you to walk in. And so what we're encouraging, I'm encouraging you to do is sometime here, and hopefully some of you have started doing this or you've made plans to do this with other people, is go and initiate with somebody else in this church who maybe you don't know very well. Invite them into your home or invite them to do something else and spend some time getting to know somebody else in this church. Right? And we do this for a variety of reasons. Obviously, we want to be connected. We want to be in each other's lives so we know what's going on and we can pray for each other and carry each other's burdens. But I think there's something else going on here and it's really about you. It's about you and your initiative as you recover and pursue God's design. And that's, I think, sometimes, and I don't know if it's because we live in a consumeristic culture or what, but we think, I should be able to walk into a place and everyone is going to initiate with me. And I'm going to get all of this great fruit from this. I'm going to have joy and, and connection and relationship and love and all this stuff, but I don't want to make that initiative. It's like we want the fruit without the sacrifice and the work of doing it. And so this is my encouragement to you. Don't sit there and say, I'm waiting for someone to initiate with me. I want you to go and initiate with somebody else. Invite them into your home. And have a meal with them or, or, or something similar to that here in the next month or two. So we've been talking about that. It's just my encouragement to do that again. So now we're going to talk about the journey of faith as we are recovering and pursuing God's design. What now? Well, I think after looking at this week, walking through this week, uh, I did a lot of looking at Facebook. Someone described it to me. Uh, watching Facebook this, this week has been like 
looking at a car accident that you can't take your eyes away from. And it has felt like that. But I think this is pertinent. And as I, as I read through, and I, I tried not to dwell on it too much, but so I was thinking about what do we need to share? Like, we are really supposed to be called to be disciples, and my role, for better or worse, is to help you guys walk into that. I say, man, I saw across the board, some from people here, some from people not here, who I, I see four real common errors. People trying to walk in faith. And so I thought, why don't we talk about four errors we can avoid on our journey of faith as we recover and pursue God's design. So we'll just walk through these. And so the first one is placing faith in worldly institutions. The first error I think we see we can make is we can say, hey, there's these things going on, government and other things, and I'm going to place my faith in those things. And this bears itself out in a few ways. One, you know, the problem here is that we really ignore the power of God on the grand scale. We think, oh, God's at work in my life, and that's really cool, but when it gets to government, God's not at work there, and so I'm really worried about what the government is going to do. It's like, no, God is really over that. And also, obviously so, when we start to place our faith in worldly institutions, we start to worship people and institutions and not Jesus. Remember, Jesus is really the only thing worth worshiping. And then furthermore, this divides me from others who have different convictions. Whether I think their convictions are right or wrong, when I start to worship institutions, I start to get divided from other people. And God wouldn't have us do that. So I'm going to walk us through some scriptures here about having faith in worldly institutions. Romans 13, 1-5. It's on the screen. I'll read it. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. And so I think this passage is very clear. We are to be in subjection to our governing authorities, but we see who has instituted those. God has. God has established that authority, and we worship God. We don't worship those institutions. Another verse, Psalm 103, verse 19, says that it just repeats that same theme. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Also Psalm 27. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And so who are you trusting in? Are you trusting in the horses and chariots of worldly institutions? Are you trusting in God? So instead of committing this error and placing our faith in worldly institutions, there's some things I think we should do instead. The first one is we should be subject to the government's in peace. 
and we should do what's right. And I think this should be regardless of who it is that sits in power or what the laws are, whether they're just or unjust. I think we should be subject to the government in peace and, and do the right thing. I think we should also be intentional in worshiping Jesus and not worshiping governmental authorities. How are you spending your time? What are you reading? What are you posting on Facebook? Does that demonstrate a worship of Jesus or a worship of worldly institutions? And the third thing we've got to do is we've got to talk to God about it. We've got to take our leaders to God in prayer, even if you don't like them. We're not let off the hook if we don't like the leaders. We need to talk to God about it and submit them to God. We talked about this in weeks past. We need to pray for our leaders because they have a difficult, difficult job. Alright, second error that I think we tend to make, I see taking place here, is that we can be governed by fear. We can be governed by fear. When we do this, we begin to see others as enemies who need to be defeated. I think when we're governed by fear, we tend to let compassion sort of go out the window, fall by the wayside. We go, ah, I don't need to be compassionate because I'm really afraid. And then I think we also then want to make rules without exceptions. We just cling to the truth. Remember, we've talked about this before. The gospel is really truth and grace. And when we're governed by fear, we tend to cling to truth and let go of grace. We say, I'm going to make the rule and I don't care. I don't have any compassion. I don't need to see people in the existence. I just need to have rules and stick to the rules. I don't think God would have us do that. Let's look at some scriptures here. John 14, 27. Jesus says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. So when we come to know Jesus and we have that right relationship with God, he promises, I'll give you my peace. Again, we have to receive it. And we shouldn't be afraid. Psalm 23, 4. I memorized this passage when I was five years old. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. This is a simple truth. It's good for kids. It's good for us. I will fear no evil because God is with me. God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control. 2 Timothy 1.7 When we are afraid and when we're governed by fear, we tend to lose self-control. There's really a connection between those two things. So, instead of being governed by fear, I'd encourage you to do this. Embrace grace along with truth. If you look at your life and you say, I tend to go towards truth because I get afraid. Be gracious. Be gracious. When you look out at the culture and what's going on right now, you can see a bunch of people who are protesters and you can lump them all together in a very truthful way. But those are individuals. Each one is a soul. And if you look out at the culture and you see a bunch of people who voted for Donald Trump and it makes you mad, you could lump them all together and paint them with a broad brush or you could see them as individuals. And you could be gracious with them. 
And in line with that, we need to be personal with others. We need to get to know people individually. And I think we can start right here with that initiative, the Won't You Be My Neighbor initiative. Start with it. And then I think also as we talk about praying, this is the same way that we're going to submit our leaders to God in prayer. We need to submit our fears to God in prayer and go to God and say, God, I am afraid. But I know that you've given me peace through Jesus Christ. Help me to receive it. Third error that we can make is that we can be governed by emotions. Instead of being governed by fear, we can be governed by our emotions. Now, emotions are not bad. God has given us emotions, but he does not want us to be governed by them. And what happens when we're governed by emotions is we start to make rules for exceptions. And we look at everyone in all of the different and hard situations that are out there, and we say, I want to make a rule that applies to everybody based upon that person's hard situation. And we start to lose truth that could really be helpful. We also tend to see others as inferior. What? You don't care as much as I do? You don't have as much as compassion? You're inferior to me. I think we also begin to start ignoring standards of right and wrong in favor of being, quote-unquote, compassionate. This is sort of the opposite there of being in fear, being in emotion. We tend to let go of truth and start to hold on to grace. Instead, when we need to be holding on to both of those things. Some verses that talk about this, Proverbs 29, 11, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. A fool gives full vent to his spirit. A fool just blasts his emotions out there and lets them control him. But a wise man holds it back. Ephesians four twenty six. very simple. Be angry. And do not sin. See? It's okay. We can be angry. God says, be angry. Don't sin. Don't let that anger turn into sin. We can have emotions, but we should not let those emotions govern us because that will lead us into sin. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God doesn't want us to be controlled by our emotions and become anxious. He wants us to pray and peace will fill our hearts. James 1, 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Man, don't you wish a lot of people could have read this verse and applied it? <laughs> they got on Facebook this week. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So instead of being governed by our emotions, I think we should embrace truth along with grace, not... Just simply be gracious, but say, God, there really is truth, and that truth can really be brought to bear in people's lives, and it can really be helpful if we hold on to both of these things. I think some of that is just an encouragement. I know I can be this way, and I get into my emotions sometimes, and I just run off down these paths of thinking to step back, to be dispassionate about issues and situations, and think about them critically and factually, and detach yourself a little bit from the emotions, and think about them. And then again, 
Take those emotions, just like we take our fears, just like we take our leaders, take your emotions and submit them to God in prayer and say, God, I give you my emotions. I have these. I know you've given them to me, but I don't want to be ruled by my emotions. I want to be ruled by Jesus Christ. And so the fourth error I see people making, and I make myself as well, is that we will judge others. And I do this, it selfishly places me in the right and others in the wrong. Well, I'm right and you're wrong and so I'm better and you're worse. Right? That creates a hierarchy of people and I'm at the top. That's not from God. God hasn't called us to make hierarchies where we judge other people. And frankly, judging is so transparent, isn't it? You see somebody judging, it's so transparent, you go, I write that person off. They have no credibility. Their character is destroyed because they're judging. And so think about that in your own life. To Think about that in my own life. If I sit in judgment on other people, it destroys my character and my credibility because it's so transparent. So here's some verses on judgment. <clears throat> James 4, 11 to 12. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, which the Bible calls us to, but a judge. But there's only one lawgiver and judge, he, that's God, who is able to save and to destroy. So who are you to judge your neighbor? Of course, the answer to that question is, you're nobody. <laughs> I'm nobody. Romans 2.1, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. It's very strong on the issue of judgment. Jesus said it this way, do not judge or you too will be judged. And so we're not to judge others. And so I think instead... Of judging others, what does these verses, what does the Bible call us to? It calls us to love our neighbors. Not judge them, love them. Sounds simple. It's hard to do. I think we need to recognize and accept a couple of things. The first one is that the lost, people who have not yet come into a right relationship with Jesus Christ, should not be expected that they're going to embrace God's morality in a natural way. Because they're living in a world of brokenness. And I think we also have to recognize that people who are saved, who are right with God, <clears throat> may arrive at different convictions based upon their spiritual maturity, the baggage that they carry, their view on the world, etc. So why should we judge people in either of these camps who maybe are different than us? And then I think we should look for ways to care for others Practically, and I think as a church we do a good job when there's a, a series of needs or issues that come up. Many of us will come running and help. And I think that part of this initiative is to help us really be in each other's lives so we don't have to wait until there's a crisis or an emergency. We can just meet each other's needs as we get to know each other better. And so in the same way that we're praying for leaders and that we're praying and submitting our fears and submitting our emotions to God, we should... Submit our opinions about others to God in prayer. And it's totally fine to say, God, I feel this way about so-and-so or about such-and-such such group. God, please help me with that. Help me not to judge. I don't want to judge. You're the judge. 
You have everyone's eternal state in your hands. I leave it up to you. I want to love others as Jesus commanded. And so I think those are really the the four errors. And there's probably more we can walk in. And so I think, you know, in the wake of the election this week, some of you are probably afraid. I I, I have fear. I struggle with the fear. Some of you maybe are angry. I've been angry too. I am angry. Some of you maybe have even lashed out specifically at other people, or generally other people. Thankfully, God's forgiven us. And so I got some encouragements for you this week as we, as we walk this out and you know, we're going to move away from talking about anything, having to do anything with politics here. But as we walk into the rest of the year and into the new year, and as we continue to go on and being disciples, I want to encourage you with a couple things. The first thing is take it to God in prayer. Whatever it is, whatever you have, whatever your struggle is, as you look at the world around you and your life, take it to God in prayer. If you find yourself struggling with any of these kind of errors, take it to God and pray. Let this experience drive you to your knees. Because when you do that, you'll be closer to Jesus. And my second encouragement to you would be to love others and to initiate relationship with others. Jesus said the second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't say, wait for your neighbor to love you. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. See, I really think when we, we look at fear and hatred... And discord, those things are really hard to stay holding on to when you're loving your neighbor. I think that's part of why Jesus has given us that as well. So, those are my encouragements for you this morning. I'm going to pray to close our time. Now, God, we stand here uh, in November of 2016, and we don't know what the future holds. God, as we've walked through an election this week in our culture, we don't really know what to make of the results or those who are leading laws and amendments and such that were passed or or failed. God, it it seems all very confusing. And when we get confused, Lord, we can take our eyes off of you. And when we take our eyes off of you, we can become afraid and we become emotional. We can stop worshiping Jesus and we can start looking at worldly institutions and we can start judging others. And God, I think it's so difficult, Lord, as I look at my life, I go, I think what's so challenging about this is that when I think about voting, I realize that if I'd changed my vote one way or another, it wouldn't have made a difference. And yet, God, you called me to be a steward of that vote and so I placed it before you and I did it as an act of worship knowing that in the big picture, it maybe didn't change. And Lord, sometimes I know that our tendency then is if, if my vote couldn't change, maybe my words and the things that I blast out into cyberspace or into my friends or family or the church, maybe that'll make a difference. God, I think sometimes when we do that, or our tendency to do that is so we walk into error. So Lord, help us as a church be a place that would not walk in those errors. 
was to be a place that would be right with you and worshiping you and keeping our eyes on what you've called us to, which is to love you and to love others. Help us to be loving others right here in this church and outside the walls in our lives as we go through our day each week, the people we work with, our neighbors, our friends, our family. Help us in that, Lord. We want to walk into that and worship you. And Lord, again, I I just pray if there's anybody who's here who has not come into a right relationship with you, I pray that you would call by your spirit into their hearts and draw them to you. Lord, we know that you tell us it's by your grace that we are saved and through faith. And that faith is a gift from you. Lord, I pray you would give that faith out to those who don't yet know you. Thank you above all for sending Jesus Christ to earth to live a sinless life, to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for our sins, to rise again and defeat death so that we could be right with you and spend eternity with you in heaven. It's his name we come before you and pray. Amen.